Bienvenidos y bienvenidas a Puentes para la Misión. Welcome to Bridges for Mission. Bienvenue au Pont pour la Mission. Good morning, everyone, and welcome. I'm Reverend Sandra Dorsonville, joined uh, this morning by with Minister Nicole Cox, co-creator and um, co-postcaster. You know, I keep stumbling upon the those terminologies, but um, we are so delighted that you're joining us uh, from all corners of the world and. Um, Today we have a special treat. We will be traveling all the way to Kenya for this recording. And we have with us Pelagi Tuisenge, who will be joining us um, for this podcast. So please sit tight and, and welcome to B4M, Bridges for Mission. Pelagi, it is a delight to have you with us at Bridges for Mission. Hello, Pelagi. Hello, how are you doing? We are fine. We are fine. How are you? Uh, we are very fine. Uh, our day is actually coming to a close. As you're starting your new day in the morning for us, we are coming to an end. Yes. Well, and I know that the listeners will be joining and trying to catch this podcast at different times of the day. So it is good. God, God has given us the possibility of technology and we're delighted about it. Um, so why don't you introduce yourself, Pelagi, to our listeners and tell them about what does what is FARP, what is your role at FARP, uh, what's the ministry about? So we turn it to you. Uh, thank you very much for the opportunity to allow me share about the ministry. FARP stands for Peace Building, Healing and Reconciliation Program. It started in 1994 in Nairobi, Kenya. And we are operating in various countries in Rwanda, Malawi, Tanzania, South Sudan, and Burundi. And my role within the organization is to help with the communications, as well as to fundraise for the various programs that the ministry is involved in. Wonderful. So I didn't realize that um, you also operated outside of Kenya. So have you noticed a different, the impact of the ministry um, whether it's urban outreach or village outreach or even, you know, outside of Kenya. Can you share a little bit more? Yes. So basically what FAP does, we seek to develop teams of trained professionals, clergy and local administration that are working for peace and justice in order to prevent violent conflict, restore human dignity and reduce poverty. So as you well know that in Africa, some of the things that characterize us are poverty, violent conflicts, and um, that stabilize the state of peace. So our rigorous programs develop TOTs. These are trainers of trainers of peacemakers that can effectively address violent conflicts and gender equality. So, so far the urban and rural outreach presents effective strategies for forming relationships and trust between residents and the local administration. Uh, that would be community elders, chiefs, village heads, and religious leaders in order to ensure community safety and cohesion. So we have seen many youths embrace peaceful measures of settling conflicts, 
And like in the past where the only medium of communication to our leaders would be through violence, a lot of rioting, um, infrastructure, destruction. But now we are seeing that as we continue to train and to develop TOTs, people are embracing dialogue instead of rioting, throwing stones or destroying property in order to pass across a message. And we have witnessed more peace walks supported by the community and the local administration. Within a period of seven years, I would say since 2014, FAP has managed to reach about 20,000 beneficiaries in the rural and urban areas and um, 6,000 in the very center of the urban environs. That's wow. the impact that we have seen so far yeah, in, in short. That's wonderful. What a great impact, my goodness. And all for peace and conflict resolution and just also teaching the model of teaching teachers and teaching instructors and really conveying and you know imparting knowledge so that people are equipped to do better and be better. Um, and you've seen yeah. that similar impact outside of Kenya as well? Yes, outside of Kenya, I just came from Malawi to, to conduct um, a pastor's training that was graduating 55 pastors. And other than the challenges of COVID and the poverty that they are in, the testimonies that are coming out are those of impact, spiritual growth, and even personal growth uh, in terms of capacity building and how the pastor is able to conduct ministry, focusing on discipleship, especially the great commission that we find in Matthew 28, verse 19 to 20. Beautiful. Well, I'll turn mm -hmm. it over to Minister Nicole because I know she has a couple of questions for you, but I am, I am really encouraged already by what you have shared. Um, thank you yeah, so much. Thank you so much. Thank you, thank you. Good morning or afternoon or evening, everyone. Um, so one of my questions that I have is, have you ever hosted volunteers to come um, and help with FARP, either um, within Kenya or outside of Kenya, to just to learn and to assist in the ministry that FARP does? Thank you. Thank yes, FARP, uh, since its in inception uh, in 1994, as each year, except of course for 2019, 2020, and this year because of COVID, had volunteers come to work and learn within the ministry. So volunteers come to learn more on peace building, conflict transformation, forgiveness and reconciliation. And most of these volunteers are those who are interested in working in the areas of peace. So the FAB database um, has volunteers coming from the UK, USA, Germany, Rwanda, Uganda, Burundi, Tanzania, South Sudan, and even locals here in Kenya. Wow, that's fantastic. That's such a, an outreach from your home um, ministry. Um, so, what, so with that, so what are some of the mm -hmm. joys and challenges that you've encountered um, with hosting these volunteers? If I go to the joys and challenges, you'd also want to capture the fact that these volunteers would be part of activities that promote the knowledge, skills, and attitudes that will help communities to prevent the occurrence of violent conflict, resolve conflicts peacefully, or create social conditions conducive to peace and justice. So the volunteers, they work alongside a staff that is assigned to them so that they may be able also to learn the core values of nonviolence and social justice, which are central to peace education. 
and nonviolence being manifested through values such as respect for human rights, freedom, and trust, social justice also being realized by principles of equality, responsibility, and solidarity. And as volunteers help in the ministry, they learn different aspects of various cultures and ways of doing things, as you have seen the database of the world. So that means cross-cultural happens. Um, and the cross-cultural experience that is shared for the individual's personal development and to the development of that community where they have been assigned to serve in. Um, some of the joys uh, and challenges, uh, let me say that we learn from one another, gaining new experiences of living, those who come, they apply their knowledge and the skills that they have received into a new culture. And they are also able to learn and appreciate from others. So, uh, the joys of volunteering have been, it gives physical and mental rewards to the volunteer when a project or task becomes successful. They are able to blend in with the local community, but when they're able to press on and finish the project, then there is a sense of success and pride that what you've been involved in has been eating and learning from new people. It is a great chance to use one spare time effectively while having fun because we work also having fun as much as we are working in the field. Um, some of the challenges I could say, having volunteers come from different parts of the world, uh, it makes one to be susceptible to tropical illnesses, you know, such as malaria and flu, because you're coming into a new environment that you're not used to. There is also the aspect of um, difference in work ethics, uh, whereby you try to gel um, the office work and that of the volunteer could be a challenge. Sometimes you find the culture in the office is not what a volunteer is used to from wherever they are coming from. And uh, many times while working with community members, they might, they might, they disregard the importance of keeping time for an event of a training. You know, um, in Africa, we say um, we really have that challenge of keeping time. Even I personally, when I go to trainings in communities, if you say nine o'clock in your head, you should give yourself an hour. You know, people start coming in like at 10. So you find like uh, someone who is not used to that kind of culture might be discouraged, you know. So um, also hostility of communities or standing out as a foreigner um, volunteer, you stand out within the community. If you're white, you get a lot of stares. Sometimes you're an easy target of pickpockets or thefts or, or beggars. Community members may sometimes not be willing to accept foreigners to be part of them, especially when maybe they take like photos and they're not too sure how far or how wide the photos will be spread. And also the language barrier. Sometimes the language could also be a hindrance for the volunteers. You have content to share, but how you deliver it in the language you use and the pronunciation might not be readily acceptable by the community members. Um, and other challenges could also be like recruitment, knowing who is fit for the work, you know? 
many um many opportunities come people seeking for volunteering but you're not too sure what are their strengths and their weaknesses and also inspiring volunteer leadership you also want uh, volunteers who are self-confident and proactive but most times you find like you really have to follow them up so that they can be able to do that which is expected of them and also lastly retaining of volunteers for long term it's hard to retain a volunteer however good they are however much input they put into the ministry but you cannot retain them for a long a long time that has been some of the challenges well it's a blessing to know that even through the challenges there's still so much joy that comes out of having volunteers um and just mm -hmm. everything that develops from those relationships when they come in to serve so when a volunteer comes in uh, roughly how long do they serve for um there are those who come in for three months six months or a year depending on the agreement that has been done beautiful yeah reverend Tucker, i hand it back to you thank you thank you wow that is what a ministry huh I know our listeners are definitely moved and at um, taking it all in. I would, a um, couple of the last questions that I have for you, Pelagi, is what some new trends yes. or new strategies that you have encountered in addressing peace, peace building in your trainings? Have there been some new trends that you've had to incorporate as part of your training? Yes, um, some of the trends I've, I've noticed is that um, as much as peace education is very important, but you also have to keep in mind that um, the participants or beneficiaries have got physical needs. So training about peace and not taking care of uh, their physical needs is almost equated like to nothing because they come, they say, we've left problems in the home, we've spent the day in the training, and we'll go back to the same problem. So how then can you help us? So um, as we share the stories and the concerns that come from the beneficiaries in communities, sometimes we do get friends who support maybe and say, you can buy a packet of flour, a packet of sugar for these people. And you find that that is maybe a meal that takes care of a day or two days. So there's a lot of um, physical needs that need to be addressed as much as we are addressing the peace and the justice in the community. Wonderful. And you've been doing it, you know, since 1994. Um, and now the impact of COVID, can you speak a little bit of the impact that COVID has had or maybe restricted your travels? Okay, the impact of COVID, I'll just give an example. Recently, as I mentioned, I came from Malawi. Initially, you would go online and apply for your visa or you go to the consulate in your country of the, of the country where you're traveling to and you make your visa application. But now with COVID, you do it online. And it's so bad such that now in Africa, sometimes our infrastructure is not the best. So you find even going online, you're not able to get all the services that you need. So I'm forced to call the immigration in Malawi to seek for help. And um, probably a visa prop that costed $50, you find like it's doubled or it's tripled. And when you get the visa, you thank God because it's been a rigorous process of calling back and forth, calling back and forth and trying to know the state of 
of the visa application. Then when you get to the airport as you're departing, you're told that um, if you're not a Malawian uh, resident or working there or married there, then you're not allowed into the country. And so you're wondering then what was the need of getting a visa? But of course, you're helped to get a clearance letter from the Ministry of Health. And um, every airport that you go to on transit, you know, you have to really be searched. You have to produce documents that you are never producing before. And so this has instilled a lot of, even when you're starting from home, you're already scared because you don't know what is ahead of you. You're not too sure of the unknown. And um, coming back, you have to do a COVID test again, which if you're not a resident of Malawi, the cost has been doubled up. And you cannot start arguing about it. You just have to pay the, the fee. And um, when you finally get to the people now, you're finding a discouraged people because churches have been affected, homes have been affected, and there's so little that you can do, and the needs are so beyond you. So you find that um, COVID has really thrown everything into confusion, yeah? But um, as we say, there is light at the end of the tunnel. You cannot entirely give up. And God who started the ministry, who started the work, is faithful to see it come to completion. And I'm very grateful that on Sunday I was able to come back home having completed the task that took me to Malawi. We're glad yeah. that you made it safely to and fro and were able to share a little bit of the testimony, you know, mm -hmm. through this episode. Uh, and I know you will touch mm -hmm. many hearts. So my last question to you uh, before we end is, where do you hope the ministry to be in three years from now? Hmm. Okay, that's a very good question. Uh, <laughs> three years from now, of course, we, we want to see the impact growing. Um, as I mentioned, the few countries that we are ministering in, I'm expecting that um, we will be, doors will open and we will even venture into Asia, you know, uh, into Asian countries. I believe even them, they also need to hear the message of peace, the message of trauma healing and forgiveness, and um, locally also, we have 47 counties. And out of the 47, I, I can say we have reached about 18. So in three years, I would like to see us at least having added 10 other more counties so that the message of peace can reach many. And also the number of direct beneficiaries, TOTs, increases from the 20,000 that we've seen. At least it doubles so that now, it is not a um, few people who are taking the message of peace, but we have a bigger, larger network of peacemakers, of trained TOTs that are propagating the message of peace. Wonderful. Well, we thank mm. you, Pelagi. Um, Minister you. Nicole, any, any word that you would want to the listeners to hear um, as we close? I think for me, it would just be praying for this ministry because they're doing such incredible work and it's difficult with COVID and just a difficult ministry even before COVID. Um, so just prayers that, you know, where Pelagi hopes the ministry will be in three years is there or even beyond that point um, that they're just covered in prayers of hope and confidence and strength during this time. Yeah, hope, confidence, strength, and prayers, steadfastness. So let's be the, 
the peace builders that we're asked to be, uh, the bridge makers. So mm -hmm. thank you everyone who have come today to listen to um, Pelagi and um, hear a little bit more about FARP. We are so grateful that you tuned in from Nepal, Kenya, Zimbabwe, Malawi, Asia, wherever you are. We thank you for listening. Until next mm -hmm. time. We thank you for listening to Bridges for Mission. You can find more information about the short-term mission office at internationalministries.org. Also, don't forget to get a hold of the new leader's guide entitled Short-Term Mission Team Essentials Together on the Journey. Uh, you can find this on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Book Baby, and that we are so glad that you joined us today. So thank you for all the subscribers and from listening from all continents. Thank you and have a good one.